thrusters won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the Grange Point 4. This is Control, be radial. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Greetings, Sits and Sivs. You're tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 73 and was recorded on May 22nd and made available for download May 26th at guardfrequency.com. I'm Tony. I'm Lennon. And I'm Jeff. Well, what have we got this week, Jeff? Well, in this week's Squawk Block, Tony pitches his CIG fan fiction series. In CIG News, we bring you all the latest from around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update. And what looks to be a pretty serious leak regarding Star Marine and Squadron 42, the Misc Reliant concept ship sale, and some of our favorite bits from Reverse the Verse episode 47. In this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we check out the passport control. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. We've added a new feature to our website, GarFrequency.com, a Patreon campaign button. We've got a variety of rewards and backer levels, but essentially, if you know how Kickstarter works, you're most of the way there. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week free of charge, but it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We thank everybody who's already chipped in and hope you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we make. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the school box. Hey, you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. You know, one of the things we give very little coverage to on our show is the fictional news and stories that CIG publishes regularly, you know, to give a little color and flavor to our 30th century universe. Quite simply, it's a question of time constraints. There's just so much actual news coming from the company most weeks that we've decided to give those stories just a little nod in our news we didn't use segment and concentrate on the more, you know, down-to-earth aspects of the game's development. Well, not anymore. I've got this killer idea for a spectacular tale of corruption, government overreach, cloak-and-dagger diplomatic horse trading, interstellar betrayal. I mean, the works. I'm going to pitch it to you guys, Jeff and Lennon, and to the fans of Star Citizen all at the same time. You guys ready to hear this? Go for it. Go ahead. Imagine. You've got these huge interstellar companies, and they want to sell stuff across political boundaries, like the Banu want to open up shops in a UEE world, and Origin wants a showroom on one of the Jian worlds, and the Jian want to sell Kartu Alls on a Banu planet. But, as we all know, the Banu worlds are notoriously independent and decentralized. The UEE worlds are sort of independent, but they bow to the central authority, and the Jian are claustrophobic and reclusive. So, if you're an interstellar company in any one of these three empires, you've got a problem expanding your business because all the political bickering and interference from their drastically different trade philosophies. But, what if you got the Banu Council, the UEE Senate, and the Xi'an Emperor in a little room, and he said, look, look, we get it that you guys have these political pressures. Tell you what, we'll just take these problems off your hands. You three sign a secret treaty that says, hey, if any one of the businesses in our empire is damaged by the laws of your empire, take us to arbitration. And if you win, our empire has the choice to either change those pesky laws or pay your business a bunch of money. That way, the companies either get into your markets over the pesky and backward objections of your citizens and subordinate local governments, and you don't face any political consequences because it's totally out of your hands and in the hands of a secret cabal of unelected arbitrators. Talk about a win-win. Okay, so but then the story, here's where the story comes in. The fight comes when some of the citizens of those empires find out about the secret deal and they try to stop it. Huh? Huh? What do you guys think? What do you guys think? Well, I, I like it, but oh, cool. unfortunately, that's not fiction. That's fact. Lemon, deploy the soapbox. Uh, yeah, is this thing on? Okay, uh, yeah, great. Uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, everybody. This was an ambush soapbox. If you're in the United States, you need to get educated on the TPP and FAST, the Investor State Dispute Arbitration or ISDA provision of this Trans-Pacific or Transnational, I don't even know what it stands for anymore, but the TPP has a dispute resolution agreement in it that's one of those weird corporate dystopia things that will actually become law shortly after June 1st. So if you're cool with that, you know, okay, that's, that's good. Or you could call your congressional representative and tell him or her to vote down fast-track authority. You know, whatever you like. 
Links will be in the show notes to some resources put together by the Electronic Frontier Foundation and an interview with a former International Monetary Fund chief economist. Yeah, I just also want to tack on to the end of there that if you're someone who's outside the US, which I know I certainly am, one third of this show is, you also are able to email your MEP, which for the Americans in the room is a member of European Parliament, who are currently voting on the issue. In fact, they're going to vote on it May 28th, so by the time this episode comes out, you only have a few days to get that in. We'll include links in the show notes to some uh, templates that you can use to email your specific MEP, but yeah, it's really important that we take action on these guys. I mean, secret trade deals that are being negotiated that effectively allow backdoors for big corporations to sue individual governments. And that's corporations that aren't even necessarily from your country. You know, I think it comes to something when I'm drawing the line at like, oh no, I'd happily let our corporations sue the oh, government. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, um, I, I, this, this is what boggles my mind. I, we try not to use soapbox or politics very much. I mean, we're very selective yeah. about it. I mean, it's 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 just, it's it's unseemly, I think, for the most part. But this is so much like all those weird, you know, corporate futuristic thingies where you don't have any laws anymore because the companies have taken it's just i mean it's there's not a lot of distance between those two things there just isn't and there have already been specific instances where smaller and more watered down versions of what people think are in this agreement have already gone and done damage there was a nuclear power company that was doing business in germany and then after the fukushima meltdown the german parliament said "Mm, not so much nuclear power anymore thanks very much and then the company that was not a german company sued germany for damages because well you guys changed your laws and now we can't make any more money yeah and they won so yeah the german taxpayer is now on the hook for doing what the german taxpayer wanted to do they now have to pay money to follow the law that they elected their representatives to implement. Yeah, and like you were saying, there are small parts of other laws and acts that are being dropped into this. Like, everybody thinks that SOPA, PIPA, and ACTA have pretty yes. much been defeated, but there are huge, huge chunks of these yeah. that are The Electronic within... Frontier Foundation tackles the intellectual property angles and the yes. freedom angles on this stuff. It's 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 just... it's it's I, Words fail me. I mean, me. Words fail me. How about how ridiculous this is? So. That is true. Call, call your representative, get in touch with your representative, and tell them just no, no. Wait, we'll let you know. Let 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 our grandkids deal with the corporate dystopia future. All right, we don't want it now. That's for later. Jeff, you've been quiet. Lennon, deploy the soapbox. <laughs> Both of you have stated the case very well, and I can't, I can't really add. I, I don't play in big international corporation arena. I'm just an IT guy that keeps servers and networks running, but you know, it doesn't it, it doesn't take that kind of mentality to understand how bad this really is. No matter how they try to spin it, it it's just, you know, I, I'm reminded of of the movie Blade Runner when I when I thought of this because yeah. In that background, the corporations were the political power, and it's just... Exactly. Yeah, no, you're right. And and just as a reminder from the lawyer of the group here, it's frequently sort of overlooked and, and misunderstood. Corporations are actually creatures of the state. The only reason they exist is because your elected representatives have passed laws that say you're allowed to do this. You're allowed to organize this way. So, I mean, it really is turning the entire organization of the rule of law on its head. Corporations are creatures of the state, not the other way around. So it's it, it it's a very important, it's a big issue, and it's one that you literally don't have a lot of time to deal with. And the folks that should be telling you about this aren't, because they'll probably stand to benefit from the provisions that are that are in it. And we don't even know what's in it, because if you disclose the exact terms of the agreement, if you know the exact terms of the agreement, and you disclose it, you can go to jail. So everybody working on this has been sworn to secrecy literally under penalty of imprisonment. So just this is not the way democracies are run. This is not the way things should be working. Get out there, folks. Just a, a quick phone call, a quick email. Numbers count. So don't waste your time writing a paragraph about it. Instead, write an email to your family and friends saying, hey, make a quick phone call or a quick email and tell your representative this is a big deal. Don't do it. Have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Let's check out some CIG news. Speed 175, Port Bay, hands on approach, checker screen, call the ball. Don't get taken home with me. Power.
crowdfunding update for May 22nd, 2015 is 82905000 of about 530 k from last week. Star Citizens now number nearly 900000 with 897 up about 4000 from last week. And the UEE fleet is 707000 strong with an additional 8000 ships being added to the roster. Strong performance from the Gemini and the Starfarer uh, probably contributed to all those numbers. I just want to go a little bit off track here. Normally, you know, it's quite straightforward. And you're aware of the show Reverse the Verse, right? Yeah. Well, I've decided that we should do something similar here. So I'm going to go with Reverse the CIG News section. So let's start out with a question, Tony. Where the f*** is the FPS module? It escaped, uh, or was let out, or was stolen, or some combination of the three. Sorry, that's not a really straight answer, but it's better than the one I usually give you, Lennon. I'm sorry. As we broadcast this show, a 48-gig batch of files is being copied and torrented around the globe. It contains the FPS module, early versions of Squadron 42 missions, work-in-progress models of unreleased ships, including the Bengal Carrier, as well as maps, character models, weapons, etc., etc., pretty much everything, plus the kitchen sink. We have unconfirmed reports of a galley on the Bengal. We've confirmed this with a knowledgeable source who shall remain nameless, but it looks like, essentially, the current development version of the game is what went out. No doubt, we'll all be assaulted with unofficial work-in-progress photos of just about everything over the weekend. And by the time you hear this show on Tuesday, some form of damage control or official CIG response will be forthcoming. But as we here at Guard Frequency are all about the solutions, we're going to break down our initial reaction to the situation and tell everyone what they should have done with the benefit of 2020 hindsight. Just as a guide to the discussion, I reckon we've probably got about four categories of problems here. Firstly, operational security. Secondly, informational security. Thirdly, intellectual property. And fourthly, open development. So, Jeff, you're our IT guy. Pick one of those, give us your thoughts, and we'll take it from there. Oh my god, you gave me a soapbox. <laughs> I did, I did. Let him, you can drag a soapbox out. Okay, you're the IT guy. Let's talk about informational security, the securing of the data. Oh, well, 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 what can I say? First of all, check your screens, people. You know, uh, just the fact, I mean, this this stuff shouldn't, I mean, closed servers, you know, the information should have been passworded. The, oh, I, I mean, there's just so much here that I can't even touch on the whole thing. Okay, well, let's let's break down what we know, and then you tell me at what point somebody from IT should have gone, well, that's a bad idea. The The details of the leak, as we know them, are the majority, the overwhelming majority of a hypertext link to the game files was displayed on a screen that was being live shot from CIG's offices. Basically, all somebody had to do was add a couple letters or a letter, yeah, to the front of this link, and boom, they had access to the files. So start from there, Jeff. What's the problem with that situation? Well, first of all, that the AWS stuff was not secured with the proper authentication. Okay, so so password protection. Yeah, password protection to the even to the location. We use AWS, and and all of our stuff is password protected. You can't just drop a file from a URL without some authentication come up and say, "Who are you?" That that's that's one. I mean, to have an open source like that, even developers. I mean, come on, developers have better security sense than what happened there. And not to have the file like that, a single download or a group of downloads, a password protected too, should have been clue too. What do you mean by that? Well, I assume that the torrent itself was a single file of forty-eight gigabytes. I'm making that assumption because ah. I don't know. I don't know okay. whether or not it, it was in fact, or if it was it just an open folder. If it was a folder with a bunch of files in it. If that's the case, the file itself should have been password protected as well. Ah, I see. So so not only should there be an authentication stage when you access that URL, but the file itself also needed to be encrypted and password protected. Correct. Okay, so there, there's two sort of layers of, of failure right there. So that, that's a good start. Lennon, why don't you take operational security? Um, you deal with customer service, right? You deal with like people and users interacting. Not if I can help it, because users are idiots. But <laughs> there's just there's there's so much that could be. I mean, I, th- I think Jeff kind of covered it almost in the in the same one, which is you know just double check your screenshots and stuff like that. It was it was right there, visibly public. The positioning of the window almost like underlined the bit that you had to 
to go and download everything from. It kind of did, yeah. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. It kind of almost highlighted it. Yeah, which yeah. is unfortunate. Um, the other side of things that I was also trying to look into quickly is that I know CryEngine, because I've looked into this in the past, they have a pretty strict NDA that when you sign up to use their tools and you pay the big boys license, like CIG no doubt would have done, that there's a lot of internal scripts and tools that they don't release in their general indie SDK. So there's going to be huge ramifications from that as well, I'd imagine, if people have been able to get their hands on all of these internal tools that get used as part of the, the CryEngine process. Now, I know CIG have written a lot of it themselves, again, but even still... It's based on the CryEngine stuff. Exactly, and the source code to that is, like I said, you know, under a, a really tight NDA. So... Yeah, I hope that that side of things doesn't blow up for them as well. Yeah, that, yeah, that kind of bleeds into the intellectual intellectual uh, yeah. property area. Yeah. So that, but yeah, that's another big that's another big problem there. I, I was going to talk about a little bit about intellectual property there as well. I mean, what has been taken essentially are the works in progress of CIG. Now, this is going to be another one of those fun crowdfunding experiments. Ha ha. You know, ultimately, who's that stuff belong to? Well, for as far as legal title goes, CIG. I mean, all that stuff belongs to CIG. They've got control and ownership of the files and of the, of the assets within it and the digital art and the code, except for the part that's been merely licensed from CryEngine, as you pointed out. But who, who is, who's the equitable owners of that code, of those art pieces? The backers? Is it the public? Is it the people that have signed up to play the game? Are they the backers above certain levels, the ones who have bought ships, the ones who have only you know, contributed five bucks and, and just wish CIG well? It's another one of these, you know, who actually is the, the ultimate owner of, the, of those assets. And since CIG made a habit of releasing things early, work-in-progress things, has CIG been harmed by this release or, or by the people that went in without authorization and took the files? The fact that they're unsecured is probably kind of irrelevant. You went to somebody's server without their permission and took stuff without asking. There are all kinds of good, fun intellectual property questions there. But I think that it kind of comes down to, really, the open development philosophy. And this is where I think of the rubber of this issue really hits the road. And I want to get all you guys' take on this. You know, this is only the sort of mistake that CIG could make. There are not developers out there tweeting live shots of their screens and filming and, and broadcasting, you know, stuff in this stage of the alpha process. It just doesn't happen. And at the speed of the development and the speed with which they've expanded their staff and the multiple locations around the world make any kind of security a nightmare. And the balance between security and efficiency, security and usability, is just got to be a headache on a daily basis. So, Jeff, we'll start with you. This is not the sort of mistake a, re a regular developer would make. No, this isn't. I mean, most of the stuff is behind closed systems anyway, and, and we never see them until they go to an alpha stage. And that's usually for a select small number of people. It's not quite the size and scope that CIG has done. And then uh, they'll release, you know, a... RTM. They usually skip beta after the you know first one or two iterations, and then that's how they improve on it. And then they do releases to update it after they find out what works and what doesn't work. Uh, most development and uh, most games that I know of, whether it's a big space sim or anything like that, has never been on this scale before, ever. Lennon, what do you think about the the balance between the open development and the, the desire for secrecy? Well, yeah. I mean, like you said, it's it's the sort of thing that a regular developer just wouldn't be able to do. I think that with the open development thing, though, is that there is also expectation on our side. You know, things like this are bound to happen. It's one of the perks of being a part of the open development. No other developer would have shown off alpha shots of the game in such an early build, like you were saying. So I think that we also, as people who have signed up to be a part of the open development, need to recognise our responsibility in this. And when things get accidentally put on there, you know, just leave it alone. Don't go investigating it, because ultimately you're only ruining it for yourselves. They're more likely to end up locking down the open developmentness of the whole thing, rather than blowing it wide open. You know, it's one of those things where it's. I think it's possibly like a handful of people have ruined it for everybody else, but the files are now out there in the wild. There's not really a whole lot they can do about it. So, yeah, CIG is just going to have to take that and, and learn from it. I, I disagree with that. Okay. Uh, there's a couple of things I wanted to, uh, wanted to say. 
we as personal individuals, we scream foul when companies sell our data, our personal preferences, scan our cell phones, dig into our backgrounds, and basically violate our privacy. And we should, we, we can't have it both ways. We've got to be able to respect that privacy of companies as well. And I think this should be dealt with harshly. And I think that they can. I, I mean, it's not that hard to associate with a user to, you know, post his images or work in progress pictures or throws out some game code or, you know, I, I really think it should be dealt with very harshly. Here's the problem. The problem is, is that costs money. They're going to have to, if they wanted to deal with it harshly, it would mean paying people paying lawyers to post cease and desist orders, you know, Digital Millennium Copyright Act, takedown notices, subpoena IP addresses, all kind of, and then you're into the whack-a-mole arena of, you know, people hiding behind anonymizers or, you know. Well, I, I get that, but, you know, you get one or two or three and, you know, pretty soon people are going, oh my God, you know. Yeah, but, I mean, I mean and, and again, Frequently, I see my I see myself as sort of like you know the the outside director of a board of directors, and I, I see guard frequency kind of fulfilling that role, asking the sorts of questions that really would usually be asked uh, if there were a board of directors or a venture capitalist investor. We don't have that here, so I, I I try to think that way. Do I really want to devote an enormous amount of resources to tracking this stuff down and hammering away at it? There's two different pieces of this. One is, as Lennon pointed out, the developer tools, the ones that we crafted based on the CryEngine license, the ones that are part of our internal development process. Those out in the wild, I may have some obligations depending on my contract with CryEngine. I may have to go after that stuff. I may have to enforce the rights of my licensor against that. I may have that may be a cost that, like Lena was saying, a handful of people has imposed this upon the rest of the community at large. So, you know, a few bad apples have now just forced CIG to spend some of our crowdfunding dollars on tracking you idiots down. On the other hand, the art and the models and the works in progress and all that kind of stuff, eh, it was going to come out anyway. Everyone's real excited to see it. Quite frankly, it's free publicity for the game. Yeah, it may be kind of insulting. Yeah, it may be kind of, you know, oh, that's embarrassing or we're not going that way. You may have to quell a few more forum rages about, but the work in progress, Bingo Carrier had six gun mounts on it. Now it only has five. I mean, you may, you may get some of that, but... I think there's going to be some real hard choices about where the crowdfunding money that they have gets spent. And they may have to spend it chasing down the morons who are going to be excited about the CryEngine developer tools. And I think they should give the people with the photos of the work-in-progress stuff a pass. Because, number one, the, it's, the money just isn't, it just isn't a good return on investment. And, number two, it's coming out anyway. You might as well just let it go. I'll tell you, I'm a 30-year professional in networks and servers and stuff. I'm for hire. I'll track him down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but do you work cheap? That's the no, real question. I See, don't I'm, work I'm, cheap. I'm the board of directors <laughs> guy. What, what's your price, huh? You get in the upper six figures, and then we'll we'll be talking. <laughs> <laughs> the, the more I think about this, though, if only there was some sort of agreement that could be made across the borders of countries that could let companies like CIG, you know, sue governments of those who might have downloaded torrent files. <laughs> oh, you're hilarious. But this isn't about government. No, I know. I know. This is about a few a few people wanting to, you know, get some internet cred and haha, I've got a secret. Haha, I found somebody's secret out. Yeah. So as well as all the assets, is there actually like a working build of Starmarine that's been out, do we know? According to the information I have, the answer is yes. Okay. But quasi-interesting factoid is that it may require a developer account to activate. Ah, good. So, yeah, so it, it, the, the game, I think, is, is there, but no one can actually activate it because you have to, here you go, Jeff, you have to authenticate with a server uh, in order for the game to actually execute. So the assets are out there, the code itself is out there, but, you know, theoretically nobody should be playing it. I imagine the internets will prove me wrong between the time we record this and the time it gets uploaded to our servers, but that's what that's what we know at this time. Yeah. So it looks like the operation staff are going to have a fun weekend regardless. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. do you think that this will end up delaying the launch of the FPS module then? Oh, yeah, because people that would be working on the FPS module aren't going to be taking off this, and their people are going to be having to go through and password encrypt stuff and clean up their whatever desktops they're having they there they have or review thing i mean you know it, it's a, it's a huge distraction so the answer is yes it will delay the release of the first person shooter module 
I guess the other thing that they've also now got to possibly consider is that if there's any code in those early leaks that could possibly be used to exploit the final game. You know, they might have to go through and rewrite quite a lot of it. I've run into this a little bit on that other game, you know, Star Citizen Lite. Yes. Apparently, the architecture of Star Citizen is going to be hard to cheat anyway because there's so much server-side validation. Like, you don't sneeze unless the server says you have a nodes. Right. In, in Elite Dangerous, most of the computing and decision-making is done at the local level. And so Elite's kind of scrambling to catch up and provide sufficient server-side authentication of in-game actions. So it's like it's almost the opposite. So I, I don't know that that's going to be so much for... I, I'm not, it's, it's not the cheaters and the exploiters I'm really worried about. It's the people that have just gotten them, perhaps gotten themselves a free copy of the big boy CryEngine SDK and all the latest tools from CIG to, you know, to develop that stuff. Hopefully, as Jeff was saying, hopefully maybe those were kept in a different file. Maybe they weren't included in the folder, but from the the indications I have so far is that at least some of the developer tools were in that folder. But again, you know, we might be proven wrong. It's still early. We don't have all the facts quite yet. We're just you know we just learned about this about an hour and a half ago. So, well, obviously we'll be sure to update people via Twitter and Facebook. So keep an eye on our channels, and we'll let you know more as we discover it. So moving on to the more lighter news. Greetings, citizens. New for model year 2946, it's the Misk Reliant. So starts the dev diary for this hotly anticipated ship concept sale. The Misk Reliant is a bit of an unusual one as far as human-built ships go. Being stuffed full with Gian technology, it feels a lot more alien than we're used to. One of the unique things about the Reliant is the introduction of multiple flight modes. The aforementioned Gian tech allows the ship to change from a horizontal flying Dorito-style configuration to a... Uh, what, to a vertical flying Dorito-style configuration, <laughs> all at the touch of a button. I'm hungry. I know, me too. When in horizontal Dorito mode, the pilot and the co-pilot sit side by side, and when you flick it into vertical Dorito mode, the whole flight deck will rotate and the seats realign, putting the pilot vertically above the co-pilot. Designed as the first of what CIG are billing as the Tier 2 starter ships, the Reliant is designed to compete almost directly with the Aurora and the Mustang. However, where the other two ships are capable all-rounders but geared towards the dogfighting end of the spectrum, the Reliant positions itself as more of a hauler, with plenty of internal space. So let's get down to the stats. At present, and this is a concept sale, so everything's subject to change, the Reliant can have a max crew of two, can carry 30 SCUs of cargo, and has two TR-1 main engines and 12 TR-1 maneuvering thrusters. Weaponry on the Reliant is in line with what we'd expect from a ship of this size. Two sized 1 fixed mount guns, one size 3 gimbal mounted gun, and two size 1 pylon mounted guns. Each fixed gun mount is mounted on the edge of the wing, with a gimbal mount being placed on the side of the ship. According to CIG, one of the big goals is to have the viewing angle from the cockpit be the best it can possibly be for any of the starter ships. And given how much visibility you get in a Mustang, it's going to be pretty hard to beat. Or maybe the Mustang's going to have some pylons added. <laughs> As this is a concept ship sale, there are currently no variants available for purchase. But CIG has given us insight on what we can expect. Although there are no official designations, the team envisioned three variants on the base model. Researcher, Newsvan, and Skirmisher. If you want to ensure to get a future variant with LTI, be sure to purchase the Reliant now, as these variants will not be coming with LTI, but will be available as cross-chassis upgrades. Not that LTI matters, of course. Oh, no, no, no. no it's minor, minor thing. <laughs> so uh, has anybody uh, reached instinctively for their wallets yet? No. I instinctively reached for my wallet. No, I, I did, I did. And then I thought... I don't know. I've got a lot of starter ships already. I've already got an Aurora. I've got a Mustang. Do I really need the Reliant? Mm. I don't know. It's a cool-looking ship. It's also sort of this hybrid, half-human, half-Gion thing, so it does a load of funky things like spins around the vertical center point and, you know, a couple of nice little gimmicky things like that. But I'm also thinking that with this being so cheap on a concept sale, that means that when it, we get in universe, it's actually going to be fairly straightforward to earn one. Particularly as it's a starter ship, these things should be common as anything. Uh, that's kind of my thinking on it as well. It's it's uh, It should be really easy to pick one up if you want one and then tool around with it. I, I may go for one, though, and the... the it, it, this is really basically just my applause at them sneaking some Elite Dangerous into the into the game. This thing looks like it a, does like look a, like, like a Cobra yeah. or Sidewinder. Oh, doesn't it? Yeah. And then it's kind of got the whole like you know, let's go Star Wars and turn vertical B-wing thing fighter thing. Well. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, 
it's 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 an interesting looking ship. I I totally dig the animations on it. It looks fun, and I do like the fact that you can have a co-pilot. The, the multi-crew, multiplayer aspect of the game is we're all looking forward to that. Yeah. I, mean, I think everybody is, and getting into it on an early model ship, you know, a starter type ship. We had our reservations when it was chosen as one of the final, you know, stretch goal ships, but it's turned out pretty cool. Yeah. I do like the sound of some of the variants, though, especially the news van. I kind of like the news van. I mm-hmm. mean, I think Smooth Furnace could get into one of those, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. That's right. I'll go find Sweet Brown. Jeff, does anything on this take your fancy? No. <laughs> Oh, like like nothing at all, Jeff. I mean, not even the half Gian Tech thing. No, I you know I I wasn't pleased with this uh, when it when it first came out on the on the concept ship sales and and I'm no, we weren't we weren't pleased. Yeah, and so I I really can't. That's the story, and he's sticking to it, folks. This is Smooth Furnace reporting live from Guard Frequency <laughs> in the news van. In the news van. All right, now uh, this next section we have a bit of a. A correction, a clarification, if you will. We always used to say that we never like to include Reverse the Verse in our news segment officially because it was kind of the devs chatting off the record. And then someone went and pointed out that we ended up using it most weeks in some format anyway, so why bother with a disclaimer? Well, apparently CIG thought this was such a good idea that they've started posting it officially on their site, too. For those of you who've never seen Reverse the Verse before, a random group of devs, usually from the community team and some, some guests, they hang out on a webcam and answer questions, joking around and generally just kind of having a good time. Now, it's clear from our opening news story that obviously some of you out there in the verse enjoy living on the shadier side of the coin. Well, good news for folks of that persuasion. The crew were asked if you can be arrested and put in prison. They joked and said, oh, not so long as no one finds out about the terrible things you've done. But yes, they can. Then they went on to talk about how some of the early stories were about space prison breaks and that it's possible to be a career criminal planet side as well as in space. If you're curious, Tony Zurevek will have some more info on this for you. When? Soon. TM. Registered trademark. Copyright. OMG. WTFPPQ. <laughs> so crime. Crime and punishment. This is a hot topic mm. this week. Hot topic and this week. And it nicely rounds off the news. It surely does. Maybe, maybe we should turn guard frequency into a into a private security firm instead. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we may we, we we should we'll have a division. Yeah, we'll have a division. We'll have a consultancy. Obviously, I realize that you could probably do this with something like the Hull E. But is there a prison ship? Is there a prison transport? I don't think so. Ah. But that would be a fun ah. news for the whole E. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Stretch goal. Stretch yeah. goal. Stretch goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good, very good. Now I'm going to bring up the other game, Star Citizen Light, because they have some, I'm going to say, room to grow on this and some lessons that could be learned for the devs of Star Citizen. Shiv is playing Elite Dangerous with us, and he likes to mine. If you were to do like a MMO or a sort of, you know, crossover, he's the innocent farmer, right? He's the guy that's just out there harvesting the materials and taking them to the village square, and he's providing the lumber, or the, the vegetables, or whatever it is got to harvest in order to make your world go in an MMO-type environment. So he's out there doing his thing, and he gets busted two or three times. Players just come out there, blow his ship up, take his stuff, and laugh all the way to the bank, and then poor Shiv has to you know, respawn at the last station he was at. And the balance that they have in their universe system is just terrible. The guy gets away pretty much scot-free. There's little to no sort of enforcement mechanism. Sometimes space stations will shoot at you, but if you jump three stations away, no one knows you did the bad thing, and so you can still land and take advantage of the refueling and the rearming. There's a lot of... There's a lot... To, left to be desired on that on that model. And I'm really glad to see that, number one, CIG is already thinking about career criminals, right, and how you will make your living as a criminal. And hopefully there'll be ways that you can do it profitably without having to subject people to non-consensual PvP, poor Shiv, so that you can play against the environment and still make a decent living as a career criminal in the environment. And also I hope that if you do choose to do some non-consensual PvP and rip off other players. I hope there's a very robust enforcement mechanism that players and NPCs will take advantage of to come blow your butt out of the sky. Yeah, I think unlike Elite Dangerous, though, Star Citizen is going to... They've at least got the advocacy, and that was baked in from the get-go. Whereas in Elite, to my knowledge, and please correct me because I'm quite a noob on Elite, there is no sort of police force. I mean, even Eve had Concord and the like, so... 
Yeah, it's a system by system thing, right? So the police in that system where you just blew up our community manager, you know, you maybe wanted in that system, but unless that system's controlling faction also controls like the nearby systems, you do two hyper jumps and all of a sudden you're an innocent land. Right, but also it's not like you could in elite go and just blow someone up for the heck of it and then be surrounded by police within like, you know, a minute. No. There's no actual patrolling force. Yeah. Or the like. Whereas I mean, in, I mean, there there are there are, but the interception mechanic does not lend itself to a nine one one or a nine 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 call. I mean, that's not a thing. There's no guard frequency in Elite. You can't transmit on the guard mayday mayday cryptor 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 and expect somebody to come help you. And I hope that again, that's one of those enforcement mechanisms. I hope that CIG bakes in at an early stage that if you like, you know, or Concord and Eve. If you sort if you try to pull that sort of stunt in a secure system where players have expressed a preference for no PvP, or if they're noobs just starting out, or if they're people that just don't want to mess with other players, that there'll be consequences for you both versus the environment and versus other players. You're a wanted man, you're a wanted woman, you're a wanted ship. But now it's time for news we didn't use. Around the Verse, episode 45. Pen is still flying solo, but Sandy will be back soon. Buck Smashes! Episode 2. 13 minutes and 22 seconds of Buck Smashing glory. Congress now. Goldfinch hearings. Innocent till proven guilty? Maybe not so for director Luzea. 10 for the artist, episode 2. Something had to get cut from the news docket for the leak story. And Meet the Devs, episode 26. James Pugh sits down with John Pritchett, physics programmer at CIG. And this week's community question. In 100 words or less, what's your take on the escape of the FPS module? Seriously, 100 words tops. That means you, first first problems. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. Now that we're all cut up with the latest news from around the verse, let's go check in with Passport Controller and this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets. Now serving TDD Customs Department number 1543. Number 1543, proceed to lane... Oh, finally we're next. Yeah, we've got to get this silica cargo through customs, and then we really need to get out of Coral. If that mining corp files a contract complaint before we break orbit, they might try to impound the ship until we pay the penalty. How was I supposed to know that when their procurement officer asked for entertainment, he just meant movies and games? The way he said entertainment and winked at me, I thought he meant, you know, exotic entertainment. <sighs> that, that wasn't a wink. He had a facial tick. Well then, how was I supposed to know that? Now serving TDD Customs Declarance number 1544. Number 1544, proceed to lane 12. That's us. There's lane 12. Over there. Oh, uh, hang on. You, you did leave the entertainment back on Castor, right? But, but the procurement guy refused to pay for it. You didn't leave them? I wasn't leaving them. They didn't pay. You know how much those things cost. So you mean to tell me they're still on our ship? Hello, welcome to Low Customs. My name is Sean. I'll be your TDD Customs Officer. Hello there, Sean. Aha. Uh, we've just got to get some silica to go to our corp. Just silica, you know. Okay, okay. Sand, grid. Okay, okay, good. Art corp. Okay, yeah. So I'll need your Form M. Do you, do you have your Form M? Form M? What, one of these? Uh, the paper sheets over there? I mean, I've got to fill it in with this... This, uh, what do you call it, a pen? Is that what it's called? Uh, that's correct, sir. An actual form? On paper? Paper, mainly, yeah. Some plastireal. We, we dabble in floppy disks. Huh. Why not go with standard Glass transfer? It'd be a lot faster. The TDD Customs Office here on Low is an artisanal bureaucracy? You, you probably haven't heard of it. Uh, no. No, I, I didn't think so. It's kind of off the grid. Uh, totally not mainstream, but you, you know how it is. In five years, every TDD customs office will be doing it. Uh, obviously. Okay, yeah, so, so your, your form M. Right, uh, yeah, here you go. 
Okay. Um, I'm sorry, sir. Um, this is a form W. See, right here at the top. But it was in the tray marked form M. Yeah, yeah, we do that. Uh, form M is actually in the W tray. It's a thing. It's it's part of the experience. Uh, look, the, the same information is there as is on the form M. Can can you just use it? Oh, you want to use form W, the wrong form. Right. So that's okay then. Oh, yeah. I know this is probably your first encounter with artisanal bureaucracy. I understand the craftsmanship, the attention to detail. Many people find it a little overwhelming. So I'm going to try to help you expedite the process. Thanks. But no, I can't use the wrong form. It's all the same data, same ship, same uh, name, okay, registration. Okay, 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 let me stop you. Form W is, is white, okay? Form M is magenta, okay? So... You will have to fill out the form M with the correct information. Here, just give it to me. I'll fill it out. I, I kind of like this old school stuff. Good, good. Um, do you have any other cargo that you'll be selling when you get to Art Corp? Selling? Uh, no, we have no cargo we'll be selling. Great. Okay, in that case, you'll need to complete form P, preliminary inspection sale statement, uh, stating nothing else on your ship will be sold at Art Corp. Uh, form P, Okay. Do you have my glasses? I can't read your handwriting to copy the information over. Uh, they're hanging around your neck. All right. Oh, oh, if you're copying the data from one form to another, you'll also need to complete Form T, Transcription Accuracy Statement. Otherwise, you'll have to fill out Form M without looking at Form W. Oh, fuck. It's okay. I'll do it. Form T, got it. I'll just step over here. See, your, your friend is really getting the full hands-on artisanal bureaucracy experience. You should try to be a little more open-minded. It's just not really my thing. You know, a lot of people say that their first time here, you know. Uh, I know it's hard to believe, but once you've tried artisanal customs a few times, you, you never want to go back to the modern way. Right. So, uh, is that it? Yes. Great. I'm actually joking. We have a number of forms left. Of course you do. Uh, okay, yes. Next, you'll need a form R for retained cargo not sold at Art Corp. Ah, uh, yes. Retained cargo. Oh, well, you see, that's a bit uh, embarrassing. Sir, I am an experienced... Yes? ...professional... Uh-huh. ...artisanal... Sure. ...customs inspector. I assure that any erratic, offbeat, or eclectic cargo you're required to declare will be handed in a courteous, thoughtful, and thoroughly authentic manner. Right. Well, you see, the thing is... Got it all copied. Form M, Form P, and the transcription. What? Why are you two looking at me like that? He needs to know about the, uh, <clears throat> you know, for one of his other forms. You can trust me, sir. I'm an artisanal professional. I have seen a lot of weird stuff. Oh, well, okay. I guess we have to declare it, right? Uh, actually, no. You could fill out a form E. Oh, thank God. By which you volunteer for an extensive but potentially character-building prison sentence. Right. Well, we can trust you. You're a professional. An artisanal professional. Okay, well, we got 120 f***ing head sickle wing herbals. 120? Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You see, that's not a big deal. It's not? No, no, you're the third ship this week. We, we, we see them all the time. Now, just let me, um... Hey, what's with your Moby glass there? What happened to the artisanal stuff? Oh, just requesting a special form. <laughs> you don't, you don't think we'd keep a stack of f***ing head sickle wing marbles forms out there on the trays? <laughs> God no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course not. How embarrassing would that be? I mean, somebody looking over your right. shoulder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, sort of, oh, hello, yeah. excuse me, <laughs> couldn't help it. So you've just taken a f***ing head sickle wing. Marbles form out of that tray there. Shall <laughs> be there often, do right. you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, I know Buy you got you a drink later, maybe. Oh, oh right, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. no way. Uh, yeah, that would be pretty embarrassing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Attention, please. Special form request for lane 12. <laughs> <laughs> Marbles enthusiast and a collector's declaration. Form A to lane 12. So, that form will be here real soon. Um, next, are you guys carrying any fruit, fish, farm animals? Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendly! So, let's just be friendly! Some say that if you look in the top left corner of his face, he has a tattoo of a URL. 
And if you look over his source code, it contains a recipe to a cod omelette. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he helped put together this week's feedback. How do you see the insurance mechanic working in game? That's what we asked you last week. We love the game we're building, but we also wanted your take. Ostron writes in and says, Good show, guys. As a subscriber and original backer, I've definitely felt burned on several occasions. Ben L touched on the impact of LTI in a reverse verse. He mentioned that in Privateer, you had a 50 credit landing fee that auto-deducted every time you landed anywhere. I played that game back in the day, and honestly, I never noticed it. He said paying for insurance would kind of have the same impact. Makes sense to me, though I agree with Tony that a more robust, complicated claims resolution process wouldn't be out of place. In general, though, CIG seems dead scared of their own economy, probably because of the number of people who are counting on Star Citizen to solve every problem that other MMOs have had with their economies. I shudder to think of the theory-crafting firestorm that will erupt after the first economic design post. The con artist writes in and says, You guys hit it pretty well in the head with how insurance should work. If they just allow me to buy insurance for my fish, I'll be content. <laughs> and Swordfish Lesbier says... I'm going to be extremely cynical here and say that some of the older backers are insisting on retaining their LTI's exclusivity in hopes of reselling their LTI hold ships in the Persistent Universe for exorbitant prices in the Persistent Universe. Any MMO with exclusive items can have said exclusive items be resold for insane prices to collectors other resellers because of the rarity and perceived value, regardless of any economic value. Personally, I feel the newer backers like myself can be equally passionate about the game as the original ones. We just had the misfortune of not hearing about the game until later. I'd go so far to argue that Kickstarter backers who bought in early before the goal was met were risking nothing because Kickstarter doesn't charge you until the campaign is funded. The greatest risk for those that came in after the Kickstarter campaign funding goal was met when Chris Roberts decided he didn't need publishers at all and went to full crowdfunding model. Controversial opinion, I know. I'm ready to be skewered on air, but great show, guys. Looking forward to the next episode. Krell says, I would trade LTI on every ship I have for a badge that would go on my hull that says, backer since 2012, so I'm better than you. Seriously, though, I think the LTI debate is about the dumbest thing ever. I suppose it provides a bit of exclusivity to ships purchased early, but it has been the source of a great deal of incredibly obnoxious forum warrior butthurt. I would be absolutely fine with CIG just getting rid of it entirely, and I have it on a whole bunch of ships. Either that, or just give it to every ship purchased before the Persistent Universe goes live. And for those who still have a pain in their rear, there's always the better-than-you badge to make them feel better. Green Dragoon says, problem with the LTI exclusivity debate is that it's basically, I don't want other people to have my nice thing. A bit selfish. I don't think the money donated by a current backer is of any less value than an original backer. Note, I'm an original backer. Well, I think pretty much mm. everybody's kind of uh, with us on most of the LTI stuff we talked about. I know, Jeff, that you you came on, down on the side that there was a certain social value assigned, a certain gratitude value assigned to an early backer, and that got devalued. It's like, thanks for backing us, but really not thank you as much for backing us early when they started doing LTI for other ships. Yes and no. I, it's more of a personal thing rather than having the badge that said, hey, I back. First of all, you love the genre. You know who Chris Roberts was. You follow his career. You get involved with his game at an early stage and said, yes, I'm behind you, Chris. And then somebody comes along two years later and says, well, we didn't find out about it until late. Well, the news was out there. I'm sorry. Just because you came across and, oh, that looks cool. You know, I could get into that. Who's Chris Roberts? <laughs> You know what, Jeff? You know what's funny? You know what's funny? What? That's exactly my reaction. That is exactly what happened to me. Two different people from two different like areas of my life are golden ticket holders, right? Well, I mean, right. I mean three. There's two different areas of my life, right? My sort of this podcasting hobby type thing I do and then my work-a-day real-world life that I have, right? You and Elliot, now I didn't know you very well before we started doing the podcasting. We may have like talked once, but I didn't hardly know you. But you and Elliot are golden ticket holders, and you're in this podcast area. I had another friend of mine from my sort of lawyer world, and he's a golden ticket holder too. Neither one of you ever told me about this happening until, and Elliot just met, brought it up in conversation like, you know, months later. And I'm like, and that was our first conversation. He's like, this great thing, blah, blah, blah. And Chris Roberts is doing it. And I said, who's Chris Roberts? And then he said, Wing Commander. I'm like, oh, Wing Commander, why didn't you say so? But the difference between people like you and Elliot and my, my other friend 
and people like me is that you guys carried the torch, right? Right. Is that the, for the space sim enthusiast and for the, the people that wanted Chris Roberts to make the Wing Commander sequel, you guys kind of carried the torch. I didn't, didn't know there was a torch. So <laughs> that's where I kind of, I do think that there should be an I'm better than you badge in there somewhere. I really do think so. But I'm not better than you. I don't know there should you. be LTI, just, but I really do think there should be that badge. But I'm not better than you. I'm just saying that I supported Chris on early, and it doesn't have to be LTI. I got my golden ticket. You know, that's fine with me. And I think LTI is a stupid argument and a stupid thing in the first place. But um, I, I, I understand how... A lot of people are feeling, though, because of it. You know, I got my golden tickets in my trophy case. I mean, that that's good enough for me. Yeah. It, 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 seems, it seems to me like the resolution of this is to give the backers, I'm just going to go ahead and say it again, Jeff. I know that's not how you feel, but the, the I'm better than you badge. The torch bearer badge. That's, that's what it needs to be. It needs to be the torch bearer badge because those are the people that were actually following Chris Roberts and waiting for the day when he came back. Those people, okay, give them something, give them their badge or something. But as far as the economics of it go, that needs to be made clear very quickly that, look, it is going to be like a landing fee. The insurance cost of maintaining your policy is going to be nothing. You won't even notice it. You won't even notice when it renews because it'll be the same tiny dribble that it was before it was renewed. So whether it's a lifetime insurance, a three-month policy, a six-month policy, you'll never know. The only time you'll care or know about the insurance is when you break your little ship. And then you're going to feel some pain. And the more often you break your ship, the more pain you feel. That's how the insurance mechanic needs to be designed. And I think once the CIG does those two things, give the torchbearers their badge and come out with a insurance mechanic along the lines that we've discussed, I think this whole thing will get put to bed. Let's bite the bullet now and get the pain over with and drop the whole LTI. Honestly, Jeff, I think if they just come up with a mechanic that you never even notice your regular insurance payment, whether it's three months or six months, if, it's, right. if the mechanic is just that, then no one will care. Just to go back uh, briefly to Kral's point, though, about the I'm better than you badge, don't we kind of already have that? Isn't that what the golden ticket is? Because the yeah, golden ticket holders... You can't wear it. You can, though, because there's a skin that's included in the pledge pack, wasn't there? If you were a golden ticket holder, you get a skin for your ship. You get a skin, Jeff? Oh, that's right. You do get a skin, don't you? Are we talking yeah. about that? Okay. So, so they kind of already have the I'm better than you badge. Okay, on to general feedback. Green Jagoon and Jace both pointed out that Mark Hamill has confirmed he's in the UK working on a non-Star Wars project. Rampant speculation ensued. Colonel mm. 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 Blair is back, yeah. No, he's not. He can't be Commander Blair because EA would sue oh, the cancel. Oh, man. Yeah, he's, he's Commander Blur. He's Commander Blur or Captain <laughs> Blair-y. Yeah. yeah, they're gonna have to do something. He'll, he'll be he'll be Captain Blair Smith. Of course, we're just it's it's purely speculation at this time, but it seems awfully coincidental that they're doing the mocap. Hamill's tweeting. Yeah, but has getting, anybody seen John Rhys Davies or or? Uh, oh, wouldn't that be uh, awesome? Malcolm, uh, McDowell. Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. Well, it, one of the stretch goals was for the return of a celebrity voice, wasn't it? I don't know how many. Of a was, celebrity, yes, yeah. but. That was that was many millions of dollars ago. Oh, yes. They could have multiple celebrity actors reprise their roles. Oh, so, yes. oh yes. Yes, they could. Sean Newboy writes in and says, Perfectly executed by 24 karaoke marathon, bye-bye, drunk, senile, lifetime, smoker, Xi'an. That's what you all deserve, but we all adore you. Uh, I've literally read that as it was written. I know that that's in response to should we be perfectly executed, but whatever you've been drinking, Sean Newboy, I want some. <laughs> Inigo says, great show, guys. Always brightens up my Tuesday. Just wanted to say I agreed with Tony about AI-controlled gimbaled weapons. When you've got enemy ships moving like mountain goats that have been set on fire, and your own ship handles like a startled gazelle on steroids, trying to actually land shots on target is quite a major chore. And if we're going to have AI-driven turrets, there's no reason not to have AI-driven gimbals. Brybay says, I'm halfway through listening to the rant about the new patch size, so I'm not sure if you issued a retraction, but you ought to. Patch 1.1.3 was 20 megabit, not 20 gigabit. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to hold my hands up here and say that um, I hadn't actually downloaded the patch when I stuck it in the patch notes for last week, and the forum thread that I was reading 
the, they clearly said 20 gigabytes. When I went back to it, the post had been edited and they've adjusted it to megabytes. So yeah, that was a uh, copy pasting and lack of verification. Sorry. Yellow Stag writes in and says, I'm a bit late, but congrats on 70 episodes. I love listening to the show during the long hours of the night shift. Something I've seen a bit of hubbub about lately is strafing and acceleration being too high. Personally, I very much enjoy the current flight model, but there are others who have voiced their opinion for more simulation. And he provides a link to a forum post, which will be in the show notes. I have to agree with him. I'm perfectly happy with the current flight model. I expect it to be a space sim with the physics to be correct. So, yes, flight model is currently fine. Just my two yeah. cents. Well, I think I think the game design, the high-level game design of the, of the flight model is is supposed to be you should be able to get down as much into the nitty-gritty as you want and can afford in in-game credits, right? So your basic starter ships should fly like bricks because the computer that comes with that ship should do, like, everything for you, right? I mean, you, it should be the Star Citizen Light or Elite Dangerous flight model, right? You point your joystick a certain way, that's the way your ship goes. And that should be it. Now, if you want to start doing comstab and sliding, drifting, Tokyo hot hatchback maneuvers, then you need to pay for an upgraded flight computer that can handle that, but also not turn you to jelly when you start making turns. I think that the flight model should be as granular as the pilot wants it to be. I hope that philosophy is still uh, guiding their design process. Tabascoid writes in and says, Thanks to all of you for another great episode and for debating controversial stuff on a mature level. Well, thank you. We try not to be little kids around here. I don't know. Except Jeff, he's a doo-doo head. <laughs> Shut up. You're not the I'm, boss of him. I'm rubber. You're glue. What you say bounces off me and sticks to you. Uh, so um, we got a special little note in here from uh, listener Philip Wareheim. He says, I talked to Shiv the other day in Sonny's Diner. That's a Twitch stream from our old friend uh, Sonny. Sonny said he's got a challenge going. If he can get 50 people in his Twitch stream at the same time while he's streaming, he will have his wife wax his chest 40-year-old virgin style live on the intertubes. And he goes on and says, hey, maybe you guys can go on for an interview. Surely the Guard Frequency crew could boost the viewership. Anyways, love the podcast. Wish I could make it in for more of the live shows. They are the best. Uh, Sunny, balls in your court. If you really want your chest waxed and you need some sort of weird excuse for doing it, and this is the excuse you've chosen, <laughs> we are willing to uh, collaborate with you on that. So Absolutely. Give, us a, give us a holler. You know how to get a hold of us. Our new patrons this week is... No. Peter and Thomas Westman win more <laughs> stickers... Thanks very much for your pledge. We'll put it to good use. And a reminder of this week's community question. In 100 words or less, what's your take on the escape of the FPS module? Seriously, 100 words. Tops. No more than that. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. So, how was the show? Do we make it through airport security? Or do the TSA need to take another x-ray of our junk? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. Leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can subscribe to us at feeds.guardfrequency.com or just find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 73 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 74 on June 2nd, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com or on the official Robert Space Industries fan site subforum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down, you can also use the contact form on our website, and all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Want to come help us make the best damn Space Sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And if you just can't get enough spaceship podcasting, why not check out our sister production, Priority One? They cover Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek universe. Just go to PriorityOnePodcast.com. We'd also like to give a warm welcome to the new host of Priority One Podcast, Kenna and Cam. 
Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Well, check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights or you're British and you particularly want to get up very, very early, you should come and join us live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording at our new time, which is 11 p.m. Central, which is Saturdays at 5 a.m. GMT. We want to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist, Simon Charlton Edwards, and our audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Um, can you just give me two minutes? Sorry. Uh, I can. I can give you... <laughs> Uh, as much time as it takes for me to hum the girl from Ipanema. Greetings, citizens. New f- new for model year 2496. Yeah, I, I cocked that up massively. Jeff, you got anything? Nope. I don't like that no very much. Can you give me a more sort of, you know, grumpy or like, you know? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take All right, we'll take us away, Jeff. <laughs> uh, I'm just full of it tonight, aren't I? Uh, you sure are. No, actually, you're not. There's, there's very little. <laughs> hey, actually, you're not full of anything. You're not emptying yourself at all. It's like you're backing it all yeah, up. Yeah. Are you saving it for something? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jeff's going to perform his own leak. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for that Metamucil to kick in. <laughs> John Pritchett is from Kansas. Just thought I'd throw that in there. But he went to the wrong school. He went to KU, not K-State. That's crucial. And probably you can cut this. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Hitler is from Kansas. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Okay, well, we got 120 f***ing sickle wing marbles. 120. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry.